Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Paul Winkler. talking about money investing and retirement planning and financial planning and whatever happens to be in the news we get into here on this show and uh, financial planning topics, things that you might want to be thinking about for the future. So uh, actually here this hour, Jim Wood up in the Goodlessville office, certified financial planner, hanging out with me here today and, uh, or at this hour anyway. Uh, so man, all right, let's go, let's rock. We got, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Don't you think? Let's go. All right. Uh, I don't know what you've got, but I've got a couple things. We'll just kind of roll with it and, and get your perspective on some of this stuff <laughs> as well. Okay, so uh, right off the bat, some of the, one of the things that we've been talking about a little bit lately is required minimum distributions. Jim, were you were you actually surprised when they went and changed all the RMD rules and changed and made it so that you could take your RMD a little bit later? Required minimum distribution when you got to start taking money out of your IRAs and four hundred one ks. Were you surprised that they pushed that age age out? Well, not really. I think that um, at least the first time I wasn't surprised. I guess I was surprised that they changed it again so soon after the first time. I think that's a really good point because it was 70 and a half forever. You know, you had to take out your first distribution April 1st after the year. Following the year, you turned 70 and a half. Who on earth came up with that? Who knows? But then they go and change that to 72. And then they go, hey, let's change it again. Let's go to 73 and we'll, hey, let's add another one. Yeah. And 10 years after that, it we'll go goes to, to 75. Yeah. yeah. So, so what we do is we go, okay, so let's um, take somebody that is, uh, is born uh, 1950 up to December 31st of 1959. And you've got your new age is 73 for your requirement minimum distribution. You have to start taking it at age 73. Still the same weird rules, April 1st after the year following the year to the turn 73. And then and you, if you wait till that year, to the year after. So if you turn 73, you can wait till April 1st of the year after. But if you wait, you got to take two distributions, which could be driving you into higher tax land. Now, the, the thing is, is that if you turn, in now the age after January 1st of 1960, is age 75. So they've changed that as well. And now you have, you know, if you're born after 1960, you got a later date that you can take your requirement of distribution. But I think, Jim, what surprised me about it is just that the fact that the government always wants their money as fast as they can possibly get it. And they went and changed the rules so that it is more delayed. But I think personally, I, I think that there's an ulterior motive, which is brilliant when it comes down to this. What's, well, what's, your, I, I, what's your theory? I, well, I would never suspect the government of having an ulterior motive and just kind of saying, you know, offering something with one hand while putting the other hand in your pocket. That doesn't sound like the government to no, me at no, all. No, no, that, no. That's somebody else's government. <laughs> I'm not sure. But here's where I think it is, because you look at the, the distribution, required minimum distribution for somebody inheriting an IRA, having accelerated that, 
to a 10-year period versus the life expectancy of the person inheriting. You know, so it used to be you could actually draw it out or stretch it, as they called it, over the life expectancy of the person inheriting. So if they had a 40-year life expectancy, you could actually go and stretch it out over that period of time and make the distributions fairly small. Uh, now they made it 10 years <laughs> with a few you know, minor exceptions here and there. So if you look at it and go, whoa, wait a minute, now if you're forcing all the money out over a 10-year period... You could have, especially if you're forcing it out to a person that is working, that already has income, now you can end up with a lot more in taxes. So this has really gotten tricky. You know, in other words, you got somebody that's earning uh, $50,000, $60,000, and now they've got an, an inherited IRA and they've got a half a million dollars, let's say, that they inherited. And now they've got to distribute that half a million dollars, all of it being taxable, over a 10-year period, well, you got to pull out a lot of money every single year to get all of that money out, right? Right. And if people put it all off and then take it all out that final 10 years, they, they got 10 years of tax uh, diversion, but then that can just be so much money that most of that's taxed in the highest tax bracket. And so sometimes waiting that full 10 years might not be a good strategy. And also- And we can't even decide whether we're going to be able to do that or not because they can't come out with the final regs on the whole deal. But I don't, you know, yeah. that's, that's another challenge. And the other thing, yeah. And some people are, even though they have to have the money- taken out within the 10-year period, if somebody, the person that had passed, had already started taking distributions, then the person that inherited it still has to take year-by-year -year withdrawals and empty it by 10 years. So the rules get really complicated. Yeah, that gets really messy in a hurry. So one of the things that they did, the IRS provided some relief, limited relief on RMDs. And this is basically what happens is, let's say if you have somebody that just was a little bit behind on the on the new rules and didn't re recognize that you had till 73 to actually start doing this. What they did is they came out with something, uh, Secure 2.0 Act, where they raised the age to 73. What they did is they said, we're going to come up with a notice 2023-54, and it provides RMD relief for those IRA owners by allowing them to return or roll over accidental RMDs back to an IRA. So let's say that you took it at age 72 thinking that the required distribution age was 72. And you said, oh, 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 oh wait a minute. Wait, it's 73 for me now? Because you, know, you were born 1950 and after, you know, and then you go, oh, well, you know, wait a minute. Uh, I didn't want to take the distribution because now I see that I didn't have to. Well, they're telling you that you can actually roll it back in. Now, that actually is one of those rollover rules where you can only do a rollover once a year, uh, where you and that's a little, little bit complicated. But most people, when they roll over IRAs, they go what's called trustee to trustee. So you go from one IRA to another. That's not considered a rollover in this particular instance where you only have one per year that you can do. In this particular instance, what they're saying is that you took the RMD, the required distribution, at 72, you didn't mean to because you don't really have to take it till you're 73. You can roll it back into an IRA and not have that, that distribution and not pay the taxes on it. So that's one thing that's going on. 
Um, go, go ahead. You got something on that, Jim? Well, just one more point. An important aspect of the later date of required minimum distributions that's worth thinking about for mm-hmm. a lot of people is what that does provide is an opportunity a lot of times for Roth conversions. Because if somebody stops working earlier and they have a lot of years without income and they're not taking massive amounts of money out of an IRA, that gives them a nice window in terms of potentially converting some of those taxable dollars into non-taxable Roth IRA dollars at a very low tax rate. So you end up getting you know tax-free growth forever on some of the money by paying it a little at a low tax rate. So it's a, it's a yeah. planning idea worth exploring if you don't have any income and you have an IRA and you have a few years before you have to start taking those required minimum distributions. Yeah, no doubt. As a matter of fact, the guy that wrote this article, uh, Ed Slot, is he's an IRA guy. That's what he markets himself as an IRA expert and teaches at one of the colleges. He talks about don't ever in one article, and I, I had to take a little bit of uh, an, uh, an imposing st- standpoint on something he said in that article, which is he said, take, and and this is where I, and typically, you know, yeah, he's the expert, but here's the deal. When an expert starts to predict the future, that's when I go, "Ah, wait a minute, just one second. But basically what he was saying is don't use pre-tax 401ks anymore. Don't use IRAs anymore. Uh, The assumption that you'll be in a lower tax bracket is, uh, you know, that's, not not uh, not necessarily. It's it's probably not. It's it, well. He was pretty pretty strong in his language. It's not going to be the case. And the reality of it is, yes, there may be instances where you might be in the same or a higher bracket in the future. That's how you decide to go pre-tax versus post-tax. Do I do IRA? Do I do Roth IRA? And the issue is this: the tax rates are slated to go back up in 2025 to what they were before. But it's you know 15% tax rate, 25% tax rate, where, where you have 10, 12, 22, 24 right now, which is you know all of them being lower than those those two that I just named. Now, in in that instance, he's saying you're going to be in a higher bracket. We got to be super super careful because you might be up there in 30 you know 30 plus percent range right now. And you got to look at okay, how what am I what am I going to be paying taxes on? How does it fit in the entire equation? But you also have to remember that diversification works in investing, but it also works in taxes, because the issue is when I look at going and sticking all my eggs in that one basket, which is a tax-free basket, which is Roth, and then all of a sudden the government because what what's the government doing right now? My point earlier is that look. They're doing this change to require distributions and pushing it off later, maybe because the inheritor of your IRA will be forced to take it out rapidly, and therefore they end up with more tax dollars because they're working. You see see what I'm, where I'm coming from, I hope, on that, is you can have a situation where they're letting you push it off, but that lets it grow even more for a couple of years, so that's even a bigger problem for whoever inherits it, because let's face it. A lot of times what we do is we accumulate money for retirement and we're loath to spend it. <laughs> you know, so you know people will build up even more. Oh, I can put it off even further. I you know and 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 like Jim's saying, you might go and start to take some of that money out and convert it, you know, so that the person inheriting it doesn't have that situation. So that that can be a strategy for sure. So this is a planning type of a thing that you're looking at. Do I convert what Am I taking the money out versus what I might be taking it out in the future? Well, that's the problem. That word might is 
I don't know. I don't have any guarantees. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict that future. And what happens is people in their in their hope to come up with a strategy that sounds really cogent may be using a future prediction in not only their investing strategy, but also their financial planning strategy. So and that's where I think it gets dangerous. Jim? Yeah. I mean, you do have to assume some certain variables. Okay, we think rate of return, maybe we'll pick a conservative rate of return. Maybe we'll just figure taxes are basically, you know, whatever the laws are on the books now, that's what it's going to look like. And you have to kind of make some basic assumptions and then see what it looks like and then figure out, well, where's the break even point? You know, do, do sure. if I if I do this conversion, do I make up the paying the early taxes after four years? Is it 14 years? I've seen strategies that where people just convert massive amounts over the first couple of years of retirement and then supposedly have tax-free income forever, but the break-evens aren't until they're like, you know, 88. And so you really have to look at those numbers and, yeah. and kind of check some of those assumptions. That, that's true. And look at your life expectancy issues. So, so what happens in, in this particular instance, and when I said diversify, investing right you can tax diversify so in other words what i do is i go i don't really know what tax law they may lower income tax rates later and then actually increase consumption taxes a different type of tax because they're looking at it and going oh all this money went into roth iras all these financial planners told people to put all their money in roth iras and now we're not getting any tax revenue from people's retirement accounts we got to do something we got a revenue crunch do you think that the government's going to get better or worse at handling money in the future. Uh, again, a, pr a prediction. I don't know. I don't know. Are they going to be less in debt in the future? Don't know, but you know it's not looking great right now, right? Right. So I, therefore, they may actually change ta tax strategies to something that has nothing to do with income and has everything to do with consumption in the future. Well, you've also mentioned the diversification. I think of that too as being valuable sometimes because there's there's going to be big purchases likely in retirement. So mm -hmm. you want to set up your income and you kind of assume certain taxes with that That's and a everything. Really good point. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you got to buy a new car mm -hmm. or you need a new roof or whatever, and you need a big chunk of money in addition to the income that you're already taking. Yes. And of course, that additional income, if you pull it from pre-tax, you can jump up into a huge high tax bracket. Now, I think that's, that's a, it's a phenomenal point because you know you might have single years where you're having to take large distributions and then you end up with Irma and you're, you're paying higher premiums on Medicare and then you've got social security taxation and you got income taxation. There are all these things. So these are all things that and quite frankly, it's overwhelming. So we use we use software programs that are super, super sophisticated to figure this stuff out because it is really complex. Yeah, the idea is, I mean, we we don't want to just give any extra that we don't have to. Everybody saying, well, we don't want to cheat or avoid taxes or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to give them any extra that we don't have to either. It's not tax avoidance. It's, you know, or tax evasion. It's tax avoidance, right? <laughs> as, we, as we say. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. 
Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.